and welcome to the Samungos podcast. This is episode 57 and this is the first of two parts on tissue donation with Dr. Sonia Allen and Neil Healy. This has been brought to you in collaboration with Continuous.com. That's ContinuousLUS.com. Did you know you can access free lectures with the top sepsis experts in the world on Continuous? These are hosted by the Australian Sepsis Network and they come with free CPD points and CME credits. To find out all you need to know, visit continuous.com forward slash ASN. That's Alpha Sierra November. Now let's jump right into the podcast. Okay, so I'm here with two very special guests to talk about tissue donation in the ED. Would you guys mind just introducing yourselves? Hi, I'm Sonia Allen. I'm an emergency medicine consultant at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Glasgow. I'm the emergency medicine clinical lead for organ donation and I'm my department lead for tissue donation. And my name is Neil Healy. I am the lead nurse for tissue cells and advanced therapeutics, which is a part of the Scottish National Blood Transfusion Service. And I manage a small team of tissue donor coordinators who are involved in uh, arranging and organising and coordinating Tissue Nation in Scotland. And thank you very much for joining us, guys. I'll probably start with you, Neil, if that's okay. So let's just jump right in. When should we consider tissue donation in the emergency department? I think we should be considering Tissue Nation emergency department uh, on every patient who dies. Um, I think it should be a consideration. We consider it. We speak to the specialist, the tissue donor coordinators, to see whether there is a potential for tissue donation. Um, I think the the important point is that early referrals so that we can assess whether someone can be a tissue donor so that we're not raising it with families where there is no potential. I think the importance is to manage expectations, I suppose, with those families and not raise something inappropriately. Uh, but raise it when there is a genuine potential for donation. And what can be donated? I know that some of these are quite simple questions, but I think it's important just to go through all the basics, if that's okay. So what can be donated? So currently in Scotland, uh, people can donate uh, a variety of tissues. Some of that is based on age criteria, and some of it is based on medical criteria. Uh, But in general, people in Scotland can donate um, their eyes, uh, both eyes. Uh, we can take the uh, corneas for corneal transplants. They're used generally within 28 days of donation. Uh, we can use some of the other parts of the eyes for uh, eye surgery like glaucoma and patches. We can take both heart valves, uh, the aortic and pulmonary valve, and also some other uh, heart tissue like uh, like pulmonary conduits and we can take up to six uh, tendons from a deceased donor, uh, the kidneys, patellar and semi-tudinous tendons which are are used for um, reconstructive surgery, cruciate ligament surgery, that that sort of thing. And you touched on it a wee second ago, do you mind if we talk about inclusion and exclusion criteria and we're just again we're, we're focusing on on the tissue donation at the moment and we'll touch on organ donation a wee bit later but regarding tissue donation what are the inclusion and exclusion criteria so the um i suppose the first thing to, to look at is age criteria uh, and um the age criteria for different tissues 
depending on what is being donated so that someone can donate their heart valves up to the age of 70, tendons up to the age of 60, and eyes up to the age of, of 90. And for uh, heart valves, um, there's no lower age limit. Any medical conditions that we should think about, anything that would exclude a, a donor? So for tissue donation, in many instances, is life-enhancing. Um, and there's a risk-benefit equation is, is, uh, is important. So if you have uh, someone who needs a, a tendon for cruciate ligament surgery, you don't want to give them any sort of life-threatening diseases or, or things like that. So the main contraindications is uh, hematological cancers uh, and, uh, and other uh, disseminated cancers, dementia uh, and neurological conditions that we don't know what causes them, uh, blood-borne viruses, and depending on which tissues is being donated, um, sepsis uh, may also be contraindication. But uh, for some tissues like eyes, we will accept people with sepsis. So the, the criteria changes depending on the tissue that we're considering. For instance, a heart valve may be life-saving for a child and we will accept a higher risk, I suppose, of, of potential transference. And what is it about dementia? Sorry, maybe this is a silly question, but what is it about it? The others I get, I understand, but what is it about dementia that it excludes? Again, I think one of the things is that we're not fully sure what causes the various different types of, of dementia. And you don't want to transfer that across to a potential recipient. So it's, it's about being keeping the, the recipient as safe as possible. And is there any religious or cultural considerations? Are all religions pretty supportive of donation or is that something we need to think about? I think it's something we need to think about, but all the major religions support both organ and tissue donation. Some religions or cultures might have uh, specific requirements for instance, uh, the Muslim faith might want the person to be um, buried before sundown. So that might have an impact on the number of tissues we could retrieve uh, within a certain time frame. Um, but generally, there's no prohibition um, within the major religious groups about either organ or tissue donation. Okay, so I was thinking it might be worth just to kind of take a case, a standard case. Let's talk about the basic steps that we go through. So, Sonia, I don't know, maybe you might like to to, to answer this one. So, so we have a patient. We're considering them as a potential donor. Uh, what what's what happens from here? Okay, so in the emergency department, if someone unfortunately dies, what we would normally do would be to speak to the family and obviously explain what what's happened, what the outcome has been. Um, and I would I would give them a bit of time at that stage and I would go and contact the tissue donor coordinator and they would check the ODR to see where they are in the ODR if they had expressed um, that they wanted to donate tissues. For example, they might have, they might 
only be considered as a corneal donor, but they have said that they, they didn't want to donate their corneas. And our, so our normal practice would be to find out what, what their wish was on the ODR and before we went to speak to the family. And that conversation with the tissue donor coordinator would also, they would also ask some questions about the patient as well for the exclusion criteria. We do have a flow chart in the department which lists some of the criteria, but they'll go into more detail um, about the criteria to see whether the patient would be a potential donor before we go back and speak to the family. And once we've got that information, I would go back to the family um, like you would do anyway and explain what, what the next steps were um, for issuing the death certificate and for um, what, what was going to happen. So I would have the conversation at that point. And it's not always the medical staff that would have that conversation. A lot of our nursing staff are equally happy to, to bring up tissue donation. Um, and there's no rule whether it should be doctors or nurses. Whoever's the right person at the time is, is the right person to do it. And we want to just make it a normal part of the process. So let's say that the family have agreed this is now a potential donor. What, what are the next steps to take? So the next steps would be to confirm with the tissue donor coordinator that the family wanted to proceed. And even if they weren't 100% sure and wanted to discuss that further with family members, they would agree for the tissue donor coordinator to get in touch with them um, by telephone later on. So what we would normally do would be to take some blood samples and the blood samples required depends on if they're a cornea only donor, which would be two blood samples or whether they were a potential multi-tissue donor, which is five samples. And they're labelled separately in our tissue donor box and the coordinator would advise you on which ones to take also. So the bloods are taken and the important thing is that they don't get sent to the lab, they get kept with the body. After we take the samples, we would normally let the relatives in to see the relative and after that, just the only other thing we need to make sure is that the body would go to the mortuary within six hours. That's really important um, for cooling. So how, how do you take samples? Is there a particular way that you would recommend taking the blood samples? Okay, so it's a bit more difficult to take bloods from a deceased patient. And normally, my normal approach would be a femoral stab. I think the important thing to say, it doesn't really matter where you get the samples, but one place you would never want to go is intracardiac, because obviously you can damage heart valves. So I think that's previously been done before, um, but definitely don't do it. Yeah, so the most reliable way is just femoral. You have no landmarks. But obviously, you can fan, and 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 I found in the time that I've done it, I, I I've usually found it fairly easily. But would that be your experience? It's not actually too difficult in the femoral region. Yeah, I, th- I think the femoral is probably the easiest place to get it. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned timings there, um, and I, I just want to go back. I thought that was an important point. If the family aren't sure, and they'd like some more time to think about it. What, what would you say to the family and that, and, and what steps? Presumably you would have to still suggest to the family it's important that we still take the bloods, we still get the body to the morgue. And how much time, I guess, do they have to think about it? What what, what would you say to them in that case? Well, as, as soon as possible, really, for corneal donation, it needs to really be within 24 hours. 
and for everything else it's 40 hours so the sooner they make the decision the be- the better ideally but obviously we understand that people want to discuss with their other relatives and do what they think is right for their deceased uh, relative so normally it depends on obviously what time um, the patient was there but if it's in the evening for example usually the following morning would be fine for the tissue coordinators to give them a phone and see if they make a decision okay well neil i might ask you this question what there's obviously some considerations around patients that we or or deaths that we would refer to the procurator fiscal what what, what should we be thinking about in, in situations like that I think what we, we should be considering is that uh, in Scotland, um, the organ and, and donation, the organ donation and tissue donation teams have a written agreement with the Crown Office and Procurator Fiscal Service, which basically states that they will consider organ or tissue donation on each and every occasion um, because they see it as providing some benefit to the family um, because the majority of these are sudden deaths. Um, we also require the procurator fiscal to give us written consent before we can proceed with organ or tissue donation in Scotland. So early referral to the procurator fiscal is essential because um, the clock does start ticking from when the patient dies. We have 24 hours. And if the procurator fiscal needs to um, get a police report, etc. All that takes time. Um, so early referral to the procurator fiscal from the clinical staff is important. And we will liaise with the procurator fiscal to move the body uh, and to retrieve the tissues and to provide them with any samples that they may require as well for any uh, fiscal pathology afterwards. I'm just kind of looking back over my experience in the past. I don't know if you agree with this, Sonia. Were we, were we maybe a bit forgetful about tissue donation for for cases like this that get referred to the procurator fiscal? Yes, I would agree with you, Owen. Um, we in our department we keep a record of our deaths, and one of the things in that book is whether the patients have been referred to tissue donor coordinators, and if not, the reason for not. And one of the things, one of the reasons for not doing it was the patients were a fiscal case. And with increased education, with our skills and drills and our ongoing teaching programme, people have realised that that's not an exclusion criteria for tissue donation. I suppose the other thing to say is that when clinicians do refer to fiscal and the fiscal says yes, it, it almost, you know, becomes a uh, you know it, it it encourages them to refer the next time again you know so when the fiscal continues to say yes it, it almost stimulates a, a response that next time i have a case that goes to the fiscal uh you know i have an anticipation that they will say they're more likely to say yes and than no which uh, again is something that that we're very grateful to the fiscal service for Okay, so let's talk about communication. What, what? I mean, this is always a slightly awkward thing. I never, still don't feel comfortable uh, doing this. What, in your experience, Sonia, what, when is the right time to speak to the family or to raise uh, tissue donation? And, and how do you start that conversation? What do you say? I find the right time is not usually when breaking bad news. 
I think we need to give the relatives time to take in what they've been told. So normally I would check if the patient could be a potential donor first before I raise this with the family. So the tissue donor coordinator will check if there's any decision documented on the ODR and if there are any tissues in particular that they had documented that they didn't want to donate. It's useful to have this information before approaching the family. So when I return to the family and I ask if they were aware of any decision recorded on the ODR, and most of the time they would be aware. Now that we've got the duty to inquire, I would need to check if they thought this was still something their relative would have wanted to do. Even if they'd opted out, then I would still have to ask if this was their latest decision. If the patient hadn't recorded anything on the ODR, I would explain that it may be possible for the relative to donate tissues like eyes and heart valves and that we routinely check in these circumstances if this is something the relative would have wanted to do. I would explain that they do not have to decide immediately and can discuss this further with other relatives before coming to decision. And then I would ask if they would be okay for the tissue donor coordinator to phone them later and discuss it further. I, th- I think the important thing is that there's not any pressure. Um, we want to do what the patient would have wanted. We've actually got some cards given out to our permanent members of staff which have suggested wording on approaching the family. Okay and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, Do you mind if I ask you about taking bloods? So obviously if the family aren't sure and they're going to speak to the tissue coordinator later and make a decision later, what do you do about the bloods? Presumably we still need permission from the the family uh, to do that. What do you say to them in that case? Yeah, so I'd explain that if they decided to go ahead with tissue donation, we would need to take bloods, but it would be better to take bloods now um, because it's more difficult to get them later on. And would they be okay with that? And if they made the decision not to go for tissue donation, then we would discard the samples and they wouldn't be tested for anything at all. And let's say the family do agree to tissue donation. Is it better to take the bloods before they viewed the body or afterwards, or does it make a difference? I think it depends. Um, Usually just do what's right for the relatives. Um, Usually we would like to have a a few minutes just to make sure the relatives as presentable as as possible um, and, and normally try and move them to a quieter place, which gives them a bit more privacy. Um, so that normally gives you a little bit of time, but some people just want to see their relative pretty soon after. So you, you have to gauge it depending on um, the relatives. So I'm just trying to think what the relatives might ask. And and I guess one of the things that have come up from time to time for me is what is the impact on funeral arrangements? So what, if the family asks that, what, what, what do you tend to tell them? Uh, so there shouldn't be any delays to funeral arrangements um, or viewings as well is another thing they might ask Um, so tissue donation occurs pretty quickly after the decision's been made 
corneal donation within 24 hours and um, the other tissue donation within 48 hours. So there shouldn't be any impact on funeral arrangements. So I think we'll pause the interview there. Many, many thanks to Dr. Sonia Allen and Neil Healy. Don't forget your free sepsis lectures and free CPD points and CME credits at continuous.com forward slash ASN. The second part of this series will be out next week. Until then, please take care.